from the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., this is Update One, the club's official podcast. It features newsworthy stories originating from the NPC facilities, as well as broader topics related to journalism, communications, press freedom, and transparency. Welcome to this edition of Update One. I'm Mike Hempen, a co-chair of the Broadcast Podcast Committee here at the National Press Club. And on this edition, we're going to talk about the Russia-Ukraine war. A lot of the reporting has focused on Western countries and how they're being impacted. In this episode, we're going to talk about the impact on non-Western countries and how they view this conflict. My guest is Flavius Mahays, a conflict journalist and consultant on food security and sustainable development. Flavius, welcome to Update One. Thanks so much, Mike. It's good to be here. I know you've been in conflict zones throughout your reporting career. You've been covering wars for almost a decade. If you can talk about some of the conflicts that you've seen firsthand. Absolutely. Thank you. I covered the conflict in Iraq and Syria since 2015. And I looked at the impact of this conflict, um, but also the impact of economic and financial sanctions against Syria. I looked at the impact of this conflict in Lebanon, and I also worked in Africa as a consultant on sustainable development and food security. This war has affected countries worldwide. One of the biggest effects, of course, being the rise in global food prices. But in terms of the non-Western countries, how are they viewing this conflict? I'm glad you mentioned uh, the food uh, food prices, the impact on food prices. Africa, for example, is a, is a continent that has badly suffered from the repercussions of the conflict in Ukraine. Um, particularly with uh, increasing grain prices, but also on non-food items. For example, Mali uh, was on the top um, uh, producer, top three producer of cotton in Africa. And because of uh, hampered access to fertilizers, uh, its ranking has lowered to around the number 10. When we talk non-Western countries, obviously, we're talking quite a long number there. What are some of the more prominent ones that have really been impacted by this conflict? I would say the majority have been in Africa because of that critical issue of access to food and, and, and fertilizers, grain and fertilizers. But you also have countries like India, and that's the reason perhaps why they've been reluctant to uh, uh, endorse the U.S.-led the strictures on sanctions, economic and financial sanctions against Russia because they depend on Russia for their oil and gas. So some of these countries that have been uh, uh, impacted initially and re- been reluctant to follow sanctions, they did so to guarantee their access to energy, for example. In Africa, however, uh, if the cargoes of grain just don't make it through, uh, it's harder uh, to, to, to react to compensate for that. Now, you brought up a good point, sanctions. The United States and other Western countries have hit Russia with sanctions because of this conflict, but a lot of non-Western countries have been hesitant to do that. Is that because they're more dependent on Russia? It's, it's a great question. And indeed, uh, according to The Economist, two-thirds of the world's population uh, live in countries that are either officially neutral or supportive of Russia. And one cannot say this is the 
autocracy or non-democratic club because in those countries, again, representing two-thirds of the world's population, you find several democracies, Brazil, India, Indonesia, and South Africa, for example. But yes, many of those countries have, have a need for Russian and Ukrainian food items and energy, but also many of them and leading one again, Indonesia, India, South Africa, belong to a tradition of non-aligned countries. So this conflict in some ways has revived the non-aligned movement that was prominent uh, at the peak of the Cold War. And many of those countries today are referring to that uh, ideological and geopolitical non-alignment position to justify their searching for more independent or neutral foreign policy regarding this conflict. In terms of how non-Western countries view the conflict, obviously Western countries point the blame at Russia, saying they invaded Ukraine. Do non-Western countries look at this conflict from the same perspective? Well, it's interesting. By reading the non-Western press, you get, in comparison with the say, European and uh, American or Euro-Atlantist uh, press, you you get the, the perception that uh, the conflict is a more complicated story and is the result of a fairly long process of degradation of security in Europe and um, degradation of security in Ukraine, of not having addressed issues of post-Cold War security with Russia. And, uh, you know, some uh, are leaning toward the view that the... Atlantic aggress aggressive stance toward Russia is part of the reason why expansion of NATO, for example, is part of the reason why today we are where we are. And therefore, you find a, an emphasis on finding diplomatic solutions to the conflict. So when you talk about more complicated situation, you're talking about the non-Western countries, many of them at least, do not look at this conflict as solely Russia's fault, that they think there's more blame to go around than just blaming the Russians. Correct, that there are, there are more factors involved and uh, the, 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 the story didn't start, the story of the conflict didn't start on February 24th of last year. To understand their position better, America and Europe are actively seeking to for these non-Western countries to endorse their position on the war. However, Many non-Western countries are asking, where were you when we have had conflict in our region? Um, we didn't see you or there was not necessarily the same attention. Let me ask you about long-term implications. We talked about the fact that this war has really affected all countries throughout the world, often in different ways. But for the non-Western countries, does the impact figure to linger longer than it does for Western countries? Absolutely. When you look at the impact on um, uh, food security, um, you can certainly say so. Uh, this is uh, um, uh, an area where uh, the, the longer the conflict lasts, the most dire the impact will be on, on non-Western countries, again, especially in Africa. The reading that some say is simplistic and short-sighted reading of the conflict as only starting last year, February 24th, and putting all the blame on Russia is not going to uh, provide a solution 
or help provide a solution to this conflict and is only going to drag it in a, long, in a longer run, which, as we just said, has more dire implications for many non-Western countries. So they, you, you will certainly see more efforts toward going beyond that reading of the situations as to minimize or to try to shorten uh, the, the, the life of this, of this conflict. And right now, it's impossible to say how long this might last. Absolutely. And that goes a long way to show you also in uh, real politic terms that the non-Western countries have uh, um, lesser of a say if, the America, if America still the largest, most, the wealthiest, largest country in the world has not decided to change its course uh, toward the conflict, there's not much other countries can do. And in terms of global food prices, that's a result of this war that all countries are feeling. And that could go many, many years into the future, the impact of, of this war on global food prices. Absolutely. It's not only the war, it's uh, compounding factors with the COVID, with the impact of COVID and the supply chain, just disruptions of the global supply um, of, of, uh, of food items. So bottom line is we wrap up here. The impact appears like it's going to be around for years, even decades, in terms of non-Western countries. Absolutely. It's, it's, and one, one um, takeaway um, from, from this conversation is that by expanding our apertures when uh, looking at the media coverage of the conflict to include the non-Western world, we can gain much insight and perhaps tools and ways to better understand and resolve this conflict. And you think most of the reporting on this war has been from the Western perspective? Absolutely. The dominant media in America and in Europe have largely been reporting the perspective of their respective governments in the West. There is a vibrant, independent uh, journalism community uh, in America, especially on YouTube and Rumble. So you can get more than the dominant media reading of the uh, slash dominant media slash government reading of the conflict. It's less so the case in Europe, unfortunately. Flavius, thanks for being on Update One. Thank you. Flavius Mahays has been the guest, a conflict journalist and a consultant on food security and sustainable development. I'm Mike Hempen. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Update One, the official podcast of the National Press Club, the world's leading professional organization for journalists and a vigorous advocate of press freedom worldwide. If you have any questions or comments about Update One, send an email to updateonepodcast at gmail.com.